So I want to read out of Luke chapter 14, a little parable of Jesus. Just take a moment. Luke 14, verse 16. We've got it right up there if you don't have your Bible with you, but I hope you have your Bible with you. You shouldn't be in church without a Bible. You wouldn't come to church in your pajamas, at least most of you. So don't come to church without a Bible. That's your sword. Amen? It's your sword. Now, let's talk today about I have bought me a cow. Jesus gave a parable. It says Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared, everybody say with me, a great feast. All right? And sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But what did they all do? They all began making, let's try that again. They all began making, so what is this parable about? Y'all are doing great today. This is a parable about excuse making and missing out on something wonderful because you made an excuse. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you will bless it to our hearts today, not only those that are here and those listening by radio, but Lord, also those that are not here who will get the CD. I pray that, Lord, you will help us to be delivered from excuse-making that robs us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-oh, get ready to grab your toes. I can feel some of you saying, I feel it coming today. But actually, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But this has to do with excuse-making in many, many different uh, ways and arenas of life. There's an old song we used to sing that went like this, I cannot come to the banquet, don't trouble me now. I have married a wife, I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me excused, I cannot come. You remember that one? Anybody remember that one? Well, I really dated myself there. Two people. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Now, I want you to notice as the parable goes on what the excuse makers said. The first excuse maker said, I have bought a piece of ground and I need to go see it. The next one said, I've bought five teams of oxen and I must go examine them. need to take them to the vet. The third one said, I've gotten married. Now, all three made their excuses. All the three of those people that leaned on excuses were robbed of a great feast. They made an excuse, but they missed out on a great feast. And I want you to notice the things that they used for excuses were not bad. The excuse makers were not saying things like, sorry, Lord, I need to go rob a bank or hit the bars, or I need to go murder an enemy. They weren't using terrible excuses. Notice with me they were using very valid, noble, logical, good excuses. I got married. I bought a cow. I've invested in some land. Lord, there are some things that being a responsible person, I just need to go take care of. 
Jesus' point is this, everybody, and I want you to hear me on this one. The church needs to hear this. I wish I could preach to the whole church in America today. Because his point is that nothing, no matter how good, no matter how noble, no matter how right, should stand in the way of an invitation from God. When God gives an invitation, it trumps everything. When God gives an invitation, whatever he's inviting you to, believe me, it's worth more than land, more than cattle, more than marriage. It's worth more. Jesus is saying when God gives you an invitation, you ought to be willing to drop anything and everything to seize it, to obtain it, to apprehend it, because anything he gives you is going to trump anything you think is more important. Isn't that true? Now, let me give you this parable in context so you can understand the context before we move on. Here's the context. The great feast he's talking about is the offer of grace and salvation. That's the application of the parable. And this great feast of grace and salvation is offered to all men. Do you know how many people are going to end up in hell who are going to be standing on the portals of eternity and all the things that they said were more important than responding to God's invitation? They're going to rue the day that they use those excuses. Because nothing is worth saying no to God's offer of grace and salvation or whatever else God offers to us. The parable goes on to say that the master of the house rose up in anger and said to his servant, go out. Since they don't want it, since the ones that were invited, since the ones that got the mail and they got the invitation in the mail, a special, you know, please RSVP, the ones who RSVP'd and said, cannot come i got to do this, i got to do that, got to do the other. The master of the house got angry and said, Go out into the highways and hedges and urge and constrain them to yield and come in so that my house may be filled. God is saying, if you don't take the, the invitation, if you don't respond to the invitation, he's saying, I'll find somebody who will. I'll find somebody who will. And if I got to go to the bars, and I got to go to the clubs, and I got to go to the streets, and I got to go to the highways, and I got to go to the hedges, and I got to go where you wouldn't think I would go to get my house filled, I will do it. For I tell you, he said, not one of those who were invited but made excuses to turn it down shall taste of my supper. Now, here's the context of the parable again. The, the, the context is that the poor, the disabled, the blind, and the lame, those in the highways and the hedges that Jesus talked about are the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people. He went first to his own. John 1 says he came to his own, meaning the Jews, and they received him not. And so what did Paul tell us in Romans 9? He said, when the Jews said... No to the great feast. God turned to the Gentiles. You are the blind. You are the lame. You are those in the highways and the hedges. He came to you. Paul said, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. And he came to you and he came to me to make the Jewish folks jealous. And I hope they get real jealous and get saved. 
But there is also a message in this parable about the danger of excuse making. Excuse making. Jesus shows three different people making excuses for missing a great feast. And we see in the story that they thought their excuses were something they could lean on and get away from something and get out of something. They thought the excuse was a good thing, but the excuse ended up robbing them of a great feast. Wow. So an excuse is not always your friend. Now I see in this parable something we need to make a distinction about. There is a difference between a reason and an excuse. There's a difference between a reason and an excuse. I'll tell you what it is. A reason is a genuine, valid cause for acting or thinking in a particular way. A reason is fine. A reason is real. A reason is valid. Let me give you an example. I was late to work because I had a flat tire on the way. That's a reason. That's not an excuse if really you had a flat tire. But an excuse is different from a reason. An excuse is a false reason that enables somebody to do something he or she wants to do or avoid something he or she does not want to do. And it's false. It's a false reason. It's concocted. It's made up. It's embellished. It's exaggerated. The excuse that is used to get out of something or to get into something may have been a genuine event, but the lie is found in that it did not genuinely, not really, not truthfully stop you from doing a thing or genuinely cause you to do something wrong. So quiet in here. Nudge your neighbor and say, I'm awake. Let me give you an example. I drink because my daddy drank, my granddaddy drank, my great-granddaddy drank, and that's why I've got to drink. That's an excuse. Can I tell you something? You say, man, I was just born this way. Get born again. Just get born again. And I don't say that flippantly. Say, well, I got to do these things because it's in my family. You got another family. You're hooked up to royal blood. Royal blood flows in your brain, uh, uh, veins. You don't have to do anything. You've got a Holy Ghost in you. You've got the Word in you. You've got God's destiny over you. I'm, I'm informing the lie in your mind that you've got to do something you don't want to do that is wrong, that is destroying you. No, you don't. Don't let an excuse cripple you. We even come up with spiritual excuses for doing things we should not do. Flip Wilson made famous the phrase, the devil made me do it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard believers say that. I want out of this, but the devil's making me do it. A small town country preacher and his wife were having a heated discussion because she had purchased a very expensive dress, and he was not happy about it. How could you do this? He exclaimed. I don't know, she cried. I was just standing in the store looking at the dress when I found myself trying it on. It was like the devil was saying to me, wow, you look good in that dress. You ought to buy it. Well, her husband said, 
You know how to deal with Satan. Tell him to get behind you. I did, his wife said. But then Satan said to me, it looks great from back here too. Reasons are totally understandable. Reasons are justified. Excuses are contrived. And they're dishonest. Dave Delgado, I don't know who that is, but he said this. No one ever excused his way to success. Don Wilder wrote, Excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. It is excuse-making that Jesus took issue with. Not reasons, but excuses. Married a wife, bought a cow, purchased land. I cannot come to the banquet. Now, there are two categories of excuses we try to use on God and other people. Here they are. The first are excuses for doing something wrong. As in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve involved themselves in the first blame game. She made me do it. She said, the devil made me do it, and it was an excuse. And God did not listen to any of the excuses or accept them. The second are excuses for not doing something God wants, and we know He wants it, but we make excuses. We make excuses for all kinds of reasons. Let me give you a few. Out of selfishness, laziness, disobedience, deceitfulness. We make excuses out of fear, out of doubt, out of unbelief, out of worry. We say, and you've heard it, I'm too tired. I hear this one all the time. I'm just too busy. If you're too busy for God, you are too busy. I can't do that or I'm scared, or I'm not good at that, or I don't know how to do that, or I'm too old, or I'm too young. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Abraham and Sarah said, we're too old. Moses said, I can't talk. Excuses, excuses. How about this one? I don't have enough experience. That didn't fly with Jeremiah. God said, you better get out there, and you better say what I tell you to say, or I'm going to dismay you in front of them. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit, and I'm, if I got one finger pointing this way every once in a while, there's four pointing back at me, at least three, and a thumb pointing up. It, it's hard to not make excuses. To justify something wrong or to not do something right. It's hard to get out of that. We live in a world of excuses, a world of excuse makers. But there are strong reasons for weaning yourself away from the habit. And let me just give you a few of them, okay? Again, am I talking to anybody in here that every once in a while uses an excuse? Well, I have two hands. Well, praise God. Let's go on home. I said, how many of you ever make an excuse? Come on. For doing something wrong or to get out of doing something right? Come on. Okay. Here's the first thing I want to share with you about why we should... Ask God to help us to not lean on excuses that end up robbing us. The first one is an excuse is really a lie playing a violin. I'd be there if I wasn't so busy. 
I'd be there if me and my spouse were getting along. I'd be there if I wasn't so tired. An excuse is a lie playing a violin. You know, we're commanded to speak the truth in love, but the use of excuses is dishonest. It's dishonest with others and it's dishonest more than that with God and with you yourself. Alexander Pope said, an excuse is worse than a lie, for an excuse is a lie guarded. We don't want to do a certain thing or we lie by putting an excuse or pulling an excuse out of the hat. Man, I don't want to do that. I know God wants me to do it, but I don't want to do it. I need a good excuse. So we reach into our bag of tricks, we reach down into the hat, and we pull an excuse out of the hat. Or we want to do something wrong, and let me tell you something, wrong behavior is always on the hunt for an excuse to justify it. Boy, Pastor Jeff, I wish I'd have made up a good one today and stayed home. You know, folks, God is calling us to walk with Him truthfully, truly. And it's time to get down and get with it. If you're going to be a Christian, be one. If you're not going to be a Christian, don't be one. Don't sit on the fence. Don't be lukewarm. Don't have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. There is no fence. You can't ride that fence. We've got to walk with God. It's time to spiritually grow up. Is anybody hearing me today? I'm going to say it again. Wrong behavior is always on the hunt for an excuse to justify it. And if you want to do something wrong and you're looking for an excuse, Satan will provide you 10 of them in 60 seconds flat. I've got to do this. It's in my genealogy. I've got to do this. I've always had this weakness. I've got to do this for this reason, that reason, and the other reason. But the real loser is us. When we use an excuse, listen, we often cover up an issue that needs to be healed or straightened out. Yeah. See, that excuse that you're using to justify something wrong or that you're using to get out of doing something you know God wants you to do, and I've done it, I've done it a thousand times. That excuse is being used by you and probably the enemy to keep something that needs to be healed inside of you or straightened out covered up. And that leads me to the second thing about excuse making. An excuse is often the mask that hides something God wants to correct or to heal inside of you. See, that excuse can be a, a mask. Moses was the pro in this department. I already mentioned him, but let me just show you one more time. Moses was a pro. His affliction was deep insecurity. Moses was deeply insecure. When God approached him in the wilderness at 80 years old, all the bloom was off the rose. He had been out of Egypt where he had been king, where he had been blessed, where he had been honored, where he had been famous. He'd been out of it for 40 years. Now he's been herding sheep on the backside of a desert. He's been alone. He's been away from the glamour, the glitz, the glitter, the shine, the attraction of the world. He has said no to all of that, and he has gone off to, to do his best to recover, 
from having killed somebody wrongly. And when God called him, his self-esteem was about this high. And he tried making excuses when God called him. He said, God said to him, hey Moses, I want you to go now. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He looked behind him. He said, you talking to me? You talking to me? I'm a sheep herder. I'm not what I used to be. First excuse, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a life leader. I'm not good enough to go to church. I'm not good enough to be a witness. I'm not good enough to take a stand for God. I'm not good enough to be honored. I'm not good enough to make a mark. You know that feeling. It's deep insecurity. Devil's lying to you. He's running down what God created. He's running down your gifting and your blessing and your calling and your destiny. Hammering down on you, telling you because of things you've done with Moses. Who are you, dude? Go out there and deliver Egypt. You're a murderer. I'm not good enough. Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? But he didn't stop there. He had a second excuse. I'm not talented enough. Moses said to the Lord, oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent. I am not a speaker. You're asking me to go talk to a nation of a million people, and I'm not a speaker. You got the wrong guy. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm so, 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 so slow of sp- sp- speech. Hmm. You know, God doesn't care what you say about yourself. Can I tell you, you see what you see, but God sees what he sees. And God sees on you what you don't see on yourself. Man, I came to preach today. I hope it's not too early for you. I want you to say with me, I've been blessed. I've been gifted. I've got a talent. And I've got a destiny. And when God comes knocking and says, I've called you to thus and so, don't say to him, I'm not talented enough. Who am I? I'll tell you who you are. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field. You are blessed in your going out and you are blessed in your coming in. You are more than a conqueror through him who has loved you and called you. You are the children of God called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. So don't say, who am I? You're the redeemed of the Lord, covered by the blood. You are called and you've got a destiny. But he had a third excuse, and we know this one. He said, you know what, Lord? I just flat don't want to do it. I just flat don't want to do it. He said, Lord, please send someone else. Now, how's that for honesty? Lord, please send someone else. Would you just go? You know, Lord, I appreciate the call. appreciate what you think of me. Thanks for the burning bush. Thanks for this vision. Thanks for letting me stand on holy ground. It's been great. But please go find somebody else. Now I want you to know something about God. He did not accept one single excuse. 
He just told Moses, I'll give you Aaron, your brother, to talk for you. See that rod in your hand, throw it on the ground. You're going to find that the power of God is in that rod. Now go to it. Now I'll share with you one last thing about excuses. If you want to stop making excuses, you're going to have to break up with Ida. How many of you know who Ida is? As a matter of fact, every one of you know who Ida is. If I'd have had a better upbringing, if I'd have been born with more talent, if I'd have had more opportunity, if I'd have been stronger, smarter, more talented, Ida, 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 if you're going to ever do anything for God, dear saint of God, you're going to have to break up with Ida. Tell Ida to go on home. Tell Ida you're done with her. Tell Ida it's over with. You're not going to lean on Ida anymore. You're not an Ida person. You're an I can person. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Adam said, if I'd have not had the woman you gave to me. <laughs> Eve said, if I'd have not, been the ser- not met the serpent. The serpent couldn't, ha- didn't have an Ida because there was no one else left. As long as you're hooked up with Ida, blaming people, blaming circumstances, blaming your lack, you're cheating yourself from the great feast. When God called me, I'm going to tell you the truth. Before God, it's true. I did exactly what Moses did. He said, I want you to teach and preach my word. I said, I have terrible stage fright. I can't stand in front of two or three or more people without forgetting what I wanted to say. When I was in school, we had a play It was sixth grade, and I was in the play, and this is what did it to me. I was in a cardboard suit of armor, had a helmet. At a given point, I was supposed to come clunking in out of the hall and say something. I was terrified. When my cue came, I came clunking in, and I stood there, and my mind went completely blank. Thank God I had a helmet on with a face covering. Finally, my teacher said, thank you, Jeffrey. You can go back to the hall. And I went clunking back out. (laughs) And I said to myself, me and public speaking are done. (laughs) Oh, it was funny. all, All these women are, oh. I lived. But see, when God told me to preach, I just knew I would stand up in front of people and forget. But he said, don't say you can't. Don't say who am I. Don't say you don't have the ability. Because what I call you to do, I'll anoint you to do. What I call you to do, I'll grace you to do. Kathy will tell you now, the bigger the crowd, the better. God delivered me. But there was a while there when the call was burning on my heart and I had an incredible battle with it. Doors would open and I wouldn't go do it. I was terrified. Stage fright. It wasn't right. I needed to be delivered. But he delivered me. Don't let an excuse keep you from the best God has for you. Don't lean on the crutch of an excuse Instead of doing something you know God wants you to do. Because when you do it, you're going to discover fulfillment, peace, satisfaction, 
blessing, anointing, usefulness, purpose, a great feast. Can we stand together? I want to encourage those of you who are struggling with some kind of an addiction. I'm not saying there's not a reason. I'm just saying there's not an excuse to keep it up. Don't let an excuse rob you of the great feast. God has something for you. I want to see the church roar like a lion in these last days. I want to see the church come into its own. My calling is to persuade you and show you that you're called. That there is a calling on your life. Not to be up here necessarily, most of you, but to be out there ministering to people. So don't say, who am I? Don't say, I don't have the talent. Don't say, I can't talk good. Don't say, well, I'm just not worthy. His blood has made you worthy. Father, thank you for your blessing today. Now, Lord, I know that there is a wonderful calling and destiny on the people of God in this room. And I pray that, Lord, you will not allow us to miss it, to lose it, to walk by it, to miss the feast. Now, if that's your heart, everybody, can you just look up to the Lord and say with me, Lord, don't let me miss the great feast. Help me to fulfill the destiny you have for me. Now say with me, no excuse will keep me from God's best. Now give him a hand of praise, can you?